Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. mobilecom FM Talk Podcast. We don't really have state-run media in the United States. We have a media-run state that if the media, and I, I refer to the media as mainly the mainstream media, and Fox would probably be a part of that, but they're really the only voice that's contrary in the mainstream media uh, to question the president on anything. You know, a Democrat, well, not even the president, a Democrat president or a Democrat office holder anywhere about anything at any time. <clears throat> they don't ever like hold their feet to the fire concerning anything going on in the news. You have in the White House press briefing room, Basically, one or two voices. You got either Peter Ducey or Jackie Heinrich, or you got you know, maybe somebody from Newsmax and a random person who might get called on once every two months who doesn't work at one of those two outlets. And that's it. Everybody else just kind of parrots the talking points back to them and lets them get their message out, and it's a pretty easy job once you have that in line. Well, Catherine Herridge is reporting that, uh, and I'm reading this from her Twitter says, Representative James Comer, chairman of the House Oversight Committee, says, quote, Hunter Biden is getting away with a slap on the wrist when growing evidence uncovered by the House Oversight Committee reveals the Bidens engage in a pattern of corruption, influence peddling, and possibly bribery. Now, I looked up what Comer had to say fully because that was just one quote. And it gets pretty deep. I'm going to read it to you. It says, quote, we have bank records that came in this week that we're going through that we think are going to show more money wire transfers from more countries, Comer said. Quote, remember, we just disclosed two countries thus far, China and Romania. China and Romania. Now, now they have proof now that money was coming to the Bidens from China and Romania. That's what he's saying. He continues, there are still some more Chinese wires that we have yet to present to the American people. And there are lots of wires, mysterious wires from Ukraine and Russia that we're about to expose. So this is just the beginning for the Bidens. Listen to this. All the Department of Justice is doing is standing in our way. He's saying not only are they not helping, they're actually obstruct, uh, obstructing them from trying to get to the bottom of this. He says, including the FBI, we are still producing results every day that shows this family, the President of the United States family, has received millions and millions of dollars from our adversaries all over the world, and they can't explain why. Again, he says they can't explain what they did to produce that money. 
because they have no businesses. They have a lot of shell companies, a lot of LLCs that they're moving money through, but they're not doing anything. Comer reported early this month that recently discovered emails between Hunter Biden and his associates in the Obama White House seemed to call into question the president's assertions that he was unaware of his son's business operations when he was vice president. Put this in the category of things we all knew already, but they still have to prove <laughs> that Joe Biden just had no clue that any of this was going on. Comer goes on and says, quote, Hunter Biden and his then business partners were in frequent communication with top aides in the Obama administration while Joe Biden was vice president, according to emails that the National Archives recently released to the conservative group America First Legal. House Oversight Committee Chairman James Comer, who's leading a sweeping investigation of the Biden family, told the Washington Examiner that the emails further show how Biden has repeatedly lied to the American people when he said he had no knowledge of his son's business dealings. By the way, Fox News reporting just this morning that Biden is again denying being involved in any of his son Hunter Biden's business dealings in China. He says, quote, uh, the, the, question, the question was, President Biden, how involved were you with your son's Chinese shakedown text messages? Were you sitting there? Were you involved? No, I wasn't, and no, he, he shouts as a response. No, not, not this isn't like a press conference about it. This is just him walking. It's the only time anybody has any opportunity to ask him anything is if he happens to shake off his handlers long enough between the limo and the helicopter that somebody can get in the between them, shout a question that he shouts an answer back to, and that's it. That was today. Now, I said, I set this up by talking about how we have a media-run state. If the media decides to cover something, uh, the state responds. So if the media decides this is a story, the mainstream media, then it becomes a story and the government responds. If it only exists online or in conservative media, Democrats won't do anything about it. <clears throat> They'll just say, well, it's partisan. And they won't do anything and nothing happens. So the good news is the media is starting to ask these questions. <laughs> I mean, one response to that is, where have you been? But the other is, thank you for doing something now, finally, when it's so right in your face that you can't ignore it. Moses comes down off the mountain, and you see his face glowing, and you go, oh, I'm just going to look away. No, you go, hey, man, why is your face glowing? <laughs> it's the natural response. The media should be going, hey, what is this? Why do we keep hearing about it? They should have been asking before the election, even. We're two and a half years in now. And finally, here's the first question. I think this is from Monday from the press briefing with Corinne Jean-Pierre in the White House press briefing room. Here's the first question that got it going. Um, the president invited his son Hunter to the state dinner last night. Um, I'm wondering if you could take us into the thinking and decision making of why uh, the president decided to invite I, I'm just not going to get into family discussion, personal family discussion. As you know, Hunter is his son. I'm just not going to get well, into let me it. Ask you this. If, if Hunter Biden wasn't the president's son, would he have invited someone who had just reached a plea agreement with federal prosecutors well, two days earlier? Well, a couple of things. Again, that's his son. It's a, he's a family member. It is not uncommon for family members to attend uh, events at the White House. You could look at past presidents. I'm sure you have. So that is not uncommon. Uh, as it relates to anything uh, uh, related to, uh, to Hunter, I'm just not going to respond to it from here. Okay. Got a question off in the White House press briefing room. That's cool. Um, that's not necessarily, as far as I know from watching these things enough, there's really only like a couple of conservative voices in the room, like I said at the beginning of the segment. And that, I, as far as I could tell, was not either one of them. So that looked like just some random reporter who was asking a question. His name is James. That's all we know. 
Now you'd think, okay, well, then they transition. They got no answers. She brushes it off. But then reporter number two follows up. Can I follow up on so that? Okay. I just called in somebody. Go ahead. Yeah. So, but I mean, so Kirby wouldn't answer James's question, though. Are you going to answer the question? I mean, not, not a reasonable question to ask when the President of the United States was involved, as this message seems to suggest, in some sort of a coercive conversation for business dealings by a son. Is that something, if he wasn't, then maybe you should tell us. So that. here's the thing, I, and I appreciate the question. I believe my colleague uh, at the White House Council uh, has answered this question already, has dealt with this, has uh, uh, made it very clear. I just don't have anything to share outside of what my colleagues have shared, uh, and so I would refer you to him and the, D and the DOJ. Just not going to comment from here. So, that's a second reporter following up. That's good. Um, she's obviously doing the cable company call around when uh, you call the cable company and go, hey, I got a problem with my service. Uh, and they go, okay, well, we'll refer you to the problems people. And then they, they go, dur, 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 dur. you stay on hold. Problems people answer, okay, hey, uh, you got a problem? Let me, let me know what it is. And you go, okay, uh, the service is not working. And they go, oh, oh, you have a technical problem. We thought you just had like a complaint about the company. Uh, let me transfer you to the tech people, tech problems. You know, you just go in a circle forever, 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 and they just keep referring you to other people. That's what she's doing. Well, let me refer you to the White House counsel, um, what he said. Well, you're the press secretary. Why don't you talk about what he said? You're our access to these people. We can't just like go talk to these people. We're in this room with you every day because that's your job. Here is, though, you thought we were done. Here is a third reporter stacking up and saying, actually, these are good questions. I will, what I can tell you is I know that my colleague has dealt with this. He, he uh, addressed this at the White House Council. I just don't have anything well, else to share. In the shake down down I just, I just answered the no. question. Please I just answered the question. Yes. Yes. yes or no, was the president involved in the shakedown attack? Steven, yes or no, Steven, I just answered the question. I just said, I just... This is, it's not up to you how I answer the question. I just answer the question by telling you my colleagues at the White House Council has dealt with this, and I would refer you to them. Go ahead. It's not up to you how I answer the question, true, um, but can, could you answer the question? Here's, here's the fourth reporter. What your colleague said from the White House Council, so we have it. I would, I, would, I would refer you to them, and they will share their statement with all of you. Okay, that was a short one, but hey, it was a fourth person saying, you know what, all these people, they're asking good questions, why won't you answer anything? That's good news. Oh, but did you think we were done? There's a fifth reporter. Your statements from that podium, you've stated that the president stands by his comment from the 2020 campaign that he never once discussed his son's overseas business dealings with his son. And you stood at that podium yeah. and you reaffirmed that. Do you stand by your reaffirmation? I, what I will say is nothing has changed. Nothing has changed. And I will leave it there. Anything else, I will refer you to the White House Council. This is not a change? I just answered the question. You asked, You just asked me, do, does my statement change? I just told you nothing has changed. That's answering the question. So she keeps saying, of course, as you're hearing, well, I'm not going to comment. I'm not going to comment. This is the president. This is the White House counsel. You have to talk to them. So he asks a really good question there, this fifth reporter on the same topic. He says, can you just comment on what you've said before then? Because you've defended this. Can you just reaffirm even your own same statements? And she won't do it. <laughs> I mean, it's getting pretty deep, right? Do you stand by your own statements? No, I'm not going to comment. All right. Well, finally, 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 we're going to move on in the press briefing. Oh, wait. No, we're not. There's a sixth reporter. Steven, I'm calling on your colleague right now. Go ahead. 
Thank you. To, to follow up on my colleague, is there anything that you can say with regard to this text message and what the president's son was alleging? Was the president there or not? I would refer you to my colleagues at the White House Council. They have addressed this, and I refer you to them. You know, the text messages keep coming out, and people are getting a little curious finally. It's amazing to see. We got six straight reporters that asked questions about it. Have you seen that text, by the way? If you haven't, that they're referring to, it says, quote, this is from Hunter Biden via this app, this WhatsApp. You know, they keep finding more and more stuff. It's amazing. Like, when is this going to stop? They keep finding more and more. The quote, uh, the, the text said from Hunter, I am sitting here with my father. And we would like to understand why the commitment made has not been fulfilled, Hunter wrote in the WhatsApp text message to Zhao, according to the documents. Tell the director, this Zhao guy, tell the director that I would like to resolve this now before it gets out of hand. And now means tonight. He's talking about payments. And Z, he says, if I get a call or a text from anyone involved with this other than you, Zhang, or the chairman... I will make certain that between the man sitting next to me and every person he knows and my ability forever to forever hold a grudge that you will regret not following my direction. Give me my money is what he's saying. And finally, people are getting curious after how many things have to come out before you finally start asking the questions. Thank you, White House Press secretary for, well, no, not thank you. Thank you for the room for finally asking. Oh, if you thought they were done, by the way, there's a seventh reporter that was like, hang on, those other six, they asked good questions. I kind of want to get to the bottom of this. Have you spoken to the president about this? Have you asked him whether he was there with his son on July 30th? This is not a conversation that I've had with the president. Again, I would refer you to the White House counsel. Do you plan to have that conversation no. with the president? No. Did the president speak with the attorney general at all? I can't. I, I, I cannot say uh, if the president uh, had had a conversation with the attorney general last night. What I can refer you to is the White House Counsel's Office as it relates to the uh, allegations. Uh, they've already addressed this. This is something for them to deal with. I refer you to the Department of Justice on anything else if you don't want to speak to the White House Counsel's Office. And there was reporting earlier in the week that after the plea agreement was reached by Hunter Biden, that the president felt relieved that that part of it was behind him. Is that true? Can you? Speak I can't to his speak mindset? to that. I cannot speak to the president's mindset. Again, I would refer you to the White House Counsel's Office. A huge surprise that she, on the seventh question, still uh, couldn't speak to the matter. I thought maybe by the seventh she'd be like, "Oh, you know what? Now that you've asked, you should play a drinking game with this. Every time she says, I refer you to the White House Counsel, you should take a shot." <laughs> It's amazing. It's amazing. It I really loved is. I loved cutting I'm not, that up. Yeah, right? I was like four minutes long. I'm like, Hannah, do something with this. Give me something. She just, okay, I'm going to cut it every reporter. <clears throat> and it, we were like, it. man, that's amazing. Because I thought after watching the whole thing that it was maybe four or five, because they're running around the cameras all over the place. She's like, no, that's seven different reporters mm -hmm. that are asking those questions. Seven. Kudos to the White House press briefing room for finally doing something with this. That last one, that last answer there to summarize, are you going to talk to the... Like, they keep coming at it from different angles, trying to get her to say, some, say, say something. Say something about this. This is a huge story. <clears throat> are, you, <clears throat> are you planning on talking to the president about this soon? She says, no. 
I'm, I'm not. I'm, no, you're not, you're not even going to talk to him about it. No, I'm not. I'm going to refer you to the White House counsel. I know this is a huge story, and I'm the White House press secretary who has access to the president when you don't, and I'm your liaison between you, the press, and the president. Are you going to speak to Biden about anything? But no. I'm not going to talk to him about this huge story that all of you are asking me about. No, thanks. I'm just going to keep referring you back to the uh, other half of the cable company, and I'll put you on hold while they get back to you. Uh, so that's, I think, honestly, though, I mean, it's 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 ridiculous because it's a ridiculous world that we're living in that these people think they're above the law. The problem is, so far, they have been above the law. They've been doing a great job of getting around any sort of accountability for these things. It sounds like everybody's been covering up for them, as James Comer said, uh, that the Department of Justice, including the FBI, have not only been not helping, they've been an obstacle to them getting to the bottom of these things. Thank God for the House Oversight Committee. They're, they're not willing to stop. Otherwise, this stuff, that's been going on for years, people. This isn't like new. This has been going on for since probably 2008, since Biden's been in the White House, maybe even before that, who knows. Um, but Hunter Biden has benefited tremendously from it financially. I don't know if you'd want his life, uh, but that would be a... Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. This is concerning the affirmative action case at the Supreme Court that I'm going to walk you through here real quick. And it's actually about two justices in particular. They are maybe the most consequential voices on this issue of affirmative action because they are the two black justices on the Supreme Court. Ketanji Brown Jackson is the most junior member of the Supreme Court. Um, I think... Justice Thomas may be the most senior member now. It's either him or Alito. But either way, they are the two black justices. 
both of them have had very, very different opinions about affirmative action in the United States of America, especially concerning their legal ramifications. Now, I'm going to read you a so, so, little setup here. Katanji Brown-Jackson chose to read her dissent from the bench. That is not super common. It does happen, but it only happens when a justice is deeply disappointed with the outcome because they'll, they'll have a dissenting voice all the time. If it's not 9-0, there's a dissent, and somebody writes it, and then everybody says, okay, well, we disagree, but this is how the court has decided. But if the justice chooses to read that dissent from the bench, basically they're telling the entire nation and their fellow justices how wrong they are and basically you should be ashamed of yourself. Here's the right decision. That's kind of the way that message is sent. So keeping that in mind, Justice Thomas has issued a dissent to that dissent, which means that things are getting a little rocky. And I actually really appreciate Thomas doing this because you got the junior member who was just way off base concerning the legality of these things. She made a fully emotional argument about the case. That's not your job as a Supreme Court justice. It doesn't mean you can't have emotions. It just means you have to base your decisions on law and ultimately constitution. So Thomas had a real big problem with what Katanji Brown Jackson said. I'm going to read a little bit of what he said back publicly, essentially to her. He says, of course, none of what she shared statistics are capable of drawing a direct causal link between race rather than socioeconomic status or any other factor, and individual outcomes. So, he says, Justice Jackson supplies the link herself, the legacy of slavery and the nature of inherited wealth. This, she claims, locks blacks into a seemingly perpetual inferior caste. Such view is irrational. It is an insult to individual achievement and cancerous to young minds seeking to push through barriers rather than consign themselves to permanent victimhood. If an application or an applicant has less financial means because of generational inheritance or otherwise, then surely a university may take that into account. If an applicant has medical struggles or a family member with medical concerns, a university may consider that too. What it cannot do is use the applicant's skin color as a heuristic as a heuristic, assuming that because the applicant checks the box for black, he therefore confirms to the university's monolithic and reductionist view of an abstract black person. Accordingly, Justice Jackson's race-infused worldview falls flat at each step. The reason that I like this is because you have very, very intelligent argument versus not unintelligent argument, but emotional argument. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 
97.1 FM Talk. This is Wiggins America. Thank you for being here this weekend. So last week was the one-year anniversary of the overturning of Roe versus Wade. I'm sure if you're like me, you've seen tons of polls and um, different snapshots of where America's at on Roe versus Wade. And of course, most of the time they're going to give you the worst version of that. Uh, so I figured, let's talk to who the Los Angeles Times called the woman who brought down Roe versus Wade. That's quite a title there. Marjorie Dannenfelser is the president of the Susan B. Anthony Pro-Life America, the largest grassroots pro-life political group in the country. Thanks for being here. Oh, thank you for having me. And you know, that headline is, uh, it's a great headline for the LA Times, but um. You know, no one can do anything alone. <laughs> oh, exactly. Like, as if you just did it by yourself, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but you're, you're you're the person to talk to about these issues yep. because you are following them closely. Um, yep. In what had been a national discussion, I uh, still a national discussion, but now it takes place state by state as far as legislatures are concerned. Give mm-hmm. us a rundown of what's happened in the last year or so. Yes, it is a state-by-state legislature. It's also, as Kavanaugh noted, a, a federal legislature, the Congress as well. So it, we have multiple, multiple fronts, arguably uh, 50, to, if you include the territories, we got 53. <laughs> so it's a lot. In the last year, almost half the states moved to enact strong pro-life protections. Um, 24 states enacted anywhere between life at conception up till 12 weeks. Um, and there are not a whole lot of other states that it's a real slam dunk, um, meaning there's a pretty perfect blue-red divide in this country when it comes down to the abortion issue and on other issues, too, but certainly on this. So there's more work to be done, certainly in going state by state. But once we did that, of course, the angry abortion lobby that is well uh, well-funded um, is going after those states in ballot initiatives to try to get abortion in their state constitutions. So they're moving into red states. So it's our, our territory. So it's like a Gettysburg moment for us. And then at the same time, um, we're looking at uh, moving into this federal election. Uh, when only half the states have, all, not only, not even half the states have, have moved to enact protections, um, that leaves most of America and the vast majority of abortions um, still under still unlimited in those states up until birth and in many cases paid for by the taxpayers of those of those states so a a federal minimum standard uh debated among candidates um especially on the republican primary stage we'll be watching so that and then let me just tell you the reason for that is the is it is the human rights obvious reason that it shouldn't um where you live um, shouldn't determine whether you live or not. Yeah, um, right. So, yeah, it's a big battle. based on the political divide of of the state that yes. you live in, you might have rights as a baby, and you might not. Um, And that is a two-tiered system, as we've been talking about in many other issues in the last couple weeks. Um, Let me ask you this, Marjorie, because there is so much confusion about these laws, you know, I mean, you identified that there's a huge difference between a blue state and a red state on this issue right now. They're moving in vastly different directions. But what about red states? Um, because it seems as if, depending on the red state that you're in, different states have handled this very differently. Which states are doing it, in your opinion, the best way, and what is that way? Well, I think the best way is that in, in one, in one, 
speaking of the communication first and then the legislation second, that you you speak in one breath of the lives of children uh, and and the service to mothers and how you're going to do both. How are you going to protect both? And so when you have a very strong limit like Mississippi, which is the first because it, it was the case for Dobbs, right, that you have very you have very strong protections for unborn children at every stage and you're very focused as the governor of Mississippi is in creative public private partnerships that really are getting to the root causes of why women are there in the first place. Why have they arrived at that door of that clinic? And those are questions that um, people up until now, uh, at least on uh, in the middle, in the middle ground have not needed to think too deeply about Uh pro-life community certainly has. There are 3,000 pregnancy centers in, in this country, which greatly outnumbers Planned Parenthood. But so that's that's what I think. I think it's mercy and justice for women and mercy and justice for children. And uh, and we have to uh, approach, it both, that, approach it like that. Marjorie Dannenfelser of the Susan B. Anthony Pro-Life America Foundation is here on the phone with us. I, I want to ask you, because the whole point of this from the pro-life perspective, which I am and you are, um, is that uh, you're saving babies' lives, you're saving people's lives um, mm-hmm. by not allowing them to be killed pre-birth. Um, how have the numbers changed since Roe versus Wade in this country? Are there less abortions happening now mm-hmm. as there were a year ago? I think that's the most important question. It really is. It's, you know, we get all, we, we, we get all um, exercised about a lot of issues, but really what, com- what it comes down to is who's being protected, who's being served. So it is hard to estimate, but our best estimates that are actually supported by the left as well, it looks to be around 60,000 children already saved. If you included um, states so projecting towards the future, states that are in litigation over their laws that have been passed. Um, and, and if those states, and, and in those states, we're pretty, we're optimistic about the outcomes. Um, it would be getting close to about 120,000 abortions um, saved in a year if they were allowed to go into mm-hmm. effect. So um, it's real people that are living that will have family reunions, family trees, baptisms and bar mitzvahs and uh, living a whole um, life and uh, that would not have. And, uh, and again, I really believe their mothers will be served in ways that the abortion movement never even pretended to serve them. Uh, and that's a beautiful thing to be a part of. And Marjorie, put that in perspective, if, if you can. I mean, I'm kind of putting you on the spot with statistics here, <laughs> so it's not like the easiest thing in the world to just pull up from the Rolodex. But um, mm-hmm. if, if 60,000 roughly estimated 60,000 lives have been saved that, that would have been aborted in the last year had Roe versus Wade not been overturned, how many are still happening per year? Just for, you know, because I have no idea. Yeah, it's, um, it, it is around 800,000 abortions wow. because the abortion rate went up before. So more than ha- more, uh, the, the vast majority of abortions are occurring in states that don't have laws because you're looking at, Cal- at California, New York, Illinois. Those are big abortion states. And, yeah, um, and they've made yeah. Illinois, as you know, I, I'm from Illinois, even though I, you know, I broadcast here in St. Louis. I live in Illinois, and mm-hmm. uh, a lot of us who are here do, and we are looking at our state and going, oh my gosh, in southern Illinois specifically, they're making it yeah. an abortion mecca. 
you know, where yeah. people from all over the Midwest and South can drive to Carbondale and Southern Illinois and get abortions because of basically Chicago, because the rest of the state does not believe in that. I know, I know. The dichotomy in Illinois is so painful because of what you just said. And this whole era of abortion tourism um, that is state-sponsored uh, in places like California with uh, Newcomb, uh, Newsom, you know, that now the people of California, not only are they, are they, uh, the children are not protected, they're, uh, they are paying for anybody who wants to come and get an abortion in their state. So this abortion tourism thing, I don't, is, is, is ambitious on their part, uh, and horrible on their part. Uh, and, but think, think about it. She comes in, she gets the abortion, uh, she, she flies back back into a cycle of poverty, maybe, back into an abusive relationship. Seventy percent say that they're coerced into abortions. You know, fly fly back into uh, drug addiction, mental health issues, all sorts of things that the abortion lobby never even pretends to be about. So the abortion, yes, what we're left with is this amazing and hopeful and beautiful progress but also a lot of work left to do. A lot of work. I, I do want, Marjorie, if you can, before we run out of time here, and we're getting close, but um, if you could, somebody who's listening this morning who is pro-abortion, you know, they're not pro-life, uh, they don't see the issues the same way as you and I are talking right now, how do you approach somebody and say, look, here's the, here's the one big issue that I want you to consider as why you should be pro-life? Well, this is, I used to be very pro-choice, and I think that what changed my mind was people just asking me why I believed what I did, just listening, listening and then not judging. Uh, and you will always find something, some hurt, some wrong, some fear that could be addressed in a way that allows you to love them both. Everybody's different, and so learning who that person is and looking for that opportunity is that that's what people did for me, and that's what I hope to do for others. That's great. And Marjorie, I, I always approach it as somebody who you know has never been through that hurt. I, I can't have a baby, <laughs> despite what uh, most people Not are telling me. Well, yeah, I right. There's hope for you. Exactly. Hope for you. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> uh, but uh, you know, having been on the side of well, I can't I can't identify with that kind of pain or or that kind of experience yeah. at all. Uh, when I just am talking about this with people, I always ask the question: When does life begin? And um, that usually is the beginning of the discussion that makes people really start to question what they believe and why. And so, yeah, I just appreciate. And what what, is that thing? Yeah, what is that thing? thing? Yeah, yeah. yeah, If you're gonna if you're gonna get rid of it, can you tell me what What it is exactly? Yeah. Um, Marjorie, yeah, thank you so so much for your time and appreciate what you're doing with the Susan B. Anthony Pro Life America organization and and keep up the great work you know i was trying to make a point at the beat at the first segment that i I didn't do very well because i was running out of time and i I just like god gosh i want to come back to this so here it is the very end of the show i'm finally getting to do it you know the old idiom axiom that the left thinks with their heart and the right thinks with their brain you know that kind of thing I, i think there's a lot of truth to that and that doesn't mean that one is better than the other, but it does mean that when you get to a society that is very rigid and authoritarian, that you need the, the heart people because you need people who care about people. When you get to a society like this that, that's just all feeling, that really all feelings is all that matters, then you need the right. You need the, the logic people. 
And it's a pendulum. It, it, it definitely is. And the pendulum right now has swung, I think, as you recognize, so far left to the feeling side that we're in need of the right, the logic side more to come along and say, hey, look, you know, if you have a penis, maybe you don't participate in girls' sports. You know, that kind of stuff is not bigoted. It is using a part of your brain that our country doesn't acknowledge anymore. So when you talk about the Supreme Court this week and the affirmative action thing, which is where I kind of got hung up and I said, I want to make some points here, but I didn't have time. The, the left typically will want to support and lift up minority groups that they think are being mistreated or that actually are being mistreated. But we're getting to a point where our society is, is so fair that the only solutions to discrepancies that they can come up with are government solutions that actually punish other people. So it's like, I don't know if you've ever read the story Harrison Bergeron, but it's a story about people who, um, it's a guy watching TV and on TV is, is a ballerina doing a beautiful dance, but she's wearing hundreds of pounds of birdshot because her dance is considered offensive to those who can't dance like that. So she has to weigh herself down and she just doesn't do as good enough job. And I think that's where we're getting where, where a Supreme court decision comes down that says, you know what, how about we don't allow people to enter colleges based on race at all? <clears throat> that's the most equal thing we can do is, is not consider race at all. And the left says, you know what, I want equality in a lot of areas. Like, for instance, if you go to get a job, you can't ask the person what their race is. In basically every segment of society, as pushed primarily by the left, you can't, you can't base decisions on race because that actually is equal. But we've swung so far the other direction that now the left is saying, no, the most equal thing you can do is protect and help certain minority groups, but those change so frequently for the left. That's what drives me crazy, is that if it was consistent, it would be great. But, you know, in the last 20 years, they've decided, oh, you know who's a minority that <clears throat> we should focus on more and help is gay people. And now it's trans people, but before... You know, three years ago, it was like, did you care about trans people? I mean, nobody cared. Nobody was saying anything. Nobody was fighting for these rights. And so now you're fighting for the rights of who, what racial group, because if it's blacks, blacks have not benefited from affirmative action, by the way. They have, they're, they're historically low numbers still under the current system. So why would you fight to keep that system, first of all? And then why would you fight to hurt other minorities like Asians in the process? It's illogical. We've got to get back to some logic with some of these things if we want true equality, which maybe the left does want in their heart of hearts, but apply a little logic to it. All right, I'm done. Hope you're having a great weekend. It's a holiday weekend. Let's have some fun. This is Wiggins America. Be sure to tune in Tuesday night, 8 to 11. I've got the American soundtrack, music for fireworks, or whatever you're doing. Get more at 971talk.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. 
Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.